Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Super excited to share this interview with you today. This product developer and designer, Emily, landed an internship, which turned into a job and kickstarted her whole career right out of high school, literally a week out of high school. She was 18 and she landed this opportunity that literally, I mean, crazy story, kickstarted her whole career. So Emily's gonna tell you all about how that started, um, some of the things that she's done strategically throughout her career to get ahead and advance, and some lessons that she's learned the hard way as she has um, taken some opportunities that didn't really work out the way she wanted, but also how she was able to get back into a workflow that did work for her. Um, So many great things to share in this episode for you, whether you are just getting started in your fashion career or you are looking to advance. Um, A quick update before we dive into the interview. Not really an update, but just a note. Um, Many of you listening uh, listen to the podcast exclusively, and that is great, but you also don't know that SFD, Successful Fashion Designer, is way more than just a podcast. So there's a couple things that I would love to share with you. I've put them together just for podcast listeners. I have tons of templates and tutorials and ebooks and all sorts of free stuff on getting ahead in your fashion career. Things like how to use Illustrator, how to create tech packs, um, fashion industry terminology and abbreviations that you can use to make sure that you sound like a pro and you understand some of the words that we're talking about, um, not only on the show, but also when you go out there uh, for your career. And I know a lot of people out there listening don't even know that there's all the all this other stuff that I do with SFD besides the podcast. So I want to make sure to get that to you. You can sign up to uh, get all my best free stuff for free. Uh, yes, free, free, um, by going to soheidi.com slash email. Again, that's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. And I would love to send you all of that. If email is not your thing, then uh check out my feed on Instagram. I do hang out there fairly regularly. Um, I am uh, doing that at So Heidi again, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I. Um, and pop over and say hello. You can put a face with the name and see what else that we are working on with Successful Fashion Designer. Um, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, a review uh, on iTunes does mean the world to us. It helps more people discover the show. And I would love to get that from you if you have couple seconds while you're listening right now to do that. Um, The show notes with all of the links mentioned in this episode are available by scrolling down wherever you're listening. And without further ado, let's dive into the episode with Emily. Welcome to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, Emily. Um, I'd love to start with getting a quick introduction of who you are and what you do in the fashion industry. Okay, so my name, as you said, is Emily Goff. Um, I am a product developer and designer for a brand um, in Tacoma, Washington, Washington called Imperial Motion. Um, I've been doing that actually pretty, uh, just started this year. So, 
Okay. Now you just started with that brand, but you've been in the industry for a long time. Is that correct? Yes, since I was 18, actually. 18? Yeah. Wait, how does that even work? That's like straight out of high school. Uh, yeah, a week later. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do tell, do tell. Take us back to like that time. What happened? Well, okay, so um, I do like to talk, so here we go. Um, so no, my, <laughs> my story is a bit that um, I did know I wanted to go into fashion and and specifically that that wording, I wanted to do fashion. Um, I um, used to, like in high school, when you kind of have to decide, I got into that like, oh, I know what I want to do. I don't have to worry about SATs. Um, So (laughs) I knew what school I wanted to go to. And I just happened to, like out of pure luck, I met um, the father of my old boss um, at uh, at this thing. And I was getting actually a scholarship. And he was like, what are you going to do when you grow up? Or what are you doing for school? And I was like, I'm going to go into fashion. He's like, oh, my son um, works uh, as a designer for this ski company. Um, and so I never heard of it. I didn't even ski. I didn't know snow sports. And I called, he's like, you should talk, talk to him. So I talked to him and I became an intern. So I was like a week out of graduating high school. I became an intern at, a you know, this office that designed ski apparel name was Scott sports. And so you know, I show up in a skirt and a nice shirt on the first day. And it's this very like casual office. And, um, and I had to take a year off for school cause you have to do, I had to do a sewing, um, at a, you know, prove that I could go into the program for a year. So it became a job. I was paid right away and I just dove in, you know, a week after I turned 18. So, wow. Kind of a crazy story. Yeah, that's super crazy. So you you were getting a scholarship of some sort. You met yeah. this guy whose son worked at Scott Sports. Yeah, who you connected with and said, "Okay, let's do an internship." Yeah, they needed some help. It just kind of turned out that they were like, you know, I don't think they were going to look for it. But the ah. fact that it fell into their hands, they were like, "Yeah, we can use someone." And so, um, just maybe knowing that. I mean, and even the crazy story, I found out I was coaching because I had a second job. I was coaching track. I was coaching his my new boss's daughter in track that year. So it was just like this weird situation that I fell into this job. I had these other connections. And then, yeah, and then it's all kind of history from there. But, yeah. So when you reached out to this guy who ultimately became your boss at Scott mm-hmm. Sports um, and got that internship, like you ha- did you have any fashion experience? Had you taken a couple classes in school or had you done some stuff like independent study or stuff on your own? No, I mean, it, it's just as much as like you can as like being a kid of um, I had my senior project for school um, that you everyone had to do was about clothing. And uh, I, so I took even though I knew how to sew, I took the sewing class at the local college, um, as my like project that you had to do. And then my paper was actually on fashion trends and how they were becoming too promiscuous for kids. It was really Mm -hmm. weird. So like my mindset always was about clothing and I would sit at home and sketch in a notebook and, you know, color them up and do all this stuff. And so my mind, that was as much as my training. I, I, I applied for one little fashion Um, contest once did not win but it just my mind was it that was going to be my future okay Uh, so that was what did what did they hire you to do as an intern oh man this is like so forever ago that I'm like (laughs) Um, yeah wait can you give us a timeline when was this this is uh 2004 
Oh, so this okay. Is June of '04, um, I graduated high school, and then I um, had a year that I was taking night sewing classes at the college in Seattle that I was going to do the program with. And so during the day, I was an intern for them. And I think it really was just very basic, like organizing. And I think I helped set up a PowerPoint for a presentation and, um, you know, had not worked on Mac computers before. So that was my, when I fell in love with them, but like it, I just, I almost can't remember, but I, there was always some, like, I just almost started doing more and more. Like I got familiar with illustrator before I went in and even went into school to do it. So it was training. I will always say training that school almost couldn't have done. So, yeah. So then you did go to school. Yes. So I, yeah, I went to school, um, of course from like September to June. Um, when during the Christmas holiday, I even went back to Scott sports and did a little bit of work. Um, cause by then I had fallen in love with the ski industry and the action sport industry. Um, I went from the girl that wanted to be the next Donna Karen to, <laughs> um, <laughs> realizing that's not, which I never was comfortable with it because, but into a different industry that I knew nothing about, but I was in love with it. Um, and it was, became a passion of mine. And so, yeah. And so I, I also, um, had the summer I went back, worked, then I had my, it was a two year program, went back to school, finished. Um, and then they hired me in, um, June of 07 and okay. I became a full-time employee. Wow. Okay. So the two-year program you did, was that like a, a fashion degree? Um, yeah. Or? Okay. I have, I have an associates of applied science in apparel design. So okay. it's a Seattle Central Community College is pretty well known in the area. A lot of people have gone through it and, um, I don't know much about other programs, but it's you sew every day, you pattern make every day. It's hands-on, nonstop. Um, gotcha. Every more of the details and stuff. You learn how to make tech packs. Um, so yeah, that that was my program. Okay, and so and you said like during your Christmas break and stuff, you went back and were continuing your internship. But then yes. two uh, years later, in June yeah. of '07, sure. or I think I got that timeline right. Mm-hmm. They hired you full time. Did you like ask for the job or did you say, Hey, I'm done with school. Are you ready to hire me? Like, what was that transition? Like, how'd you actually get that opportunity? Well, it, that is also out of luck of just, um, they knew how much, I mean, I, I had the training already done. It's like, I was an easy hire. Um, of course they knew that, um, I wanted to work for them and it was just kind of a, a conversation that has, had always been happening, but never happened that, um, you know, once I graduated, I was going to be full time and uh-huh. I knew everything, you know, or I knew how they worked. I knew the people. Um, so it was kind of an easy decision for both of us. And I just wanted to like, keep going, you know, so. Other than you, like understanding the inner workings of their systems and, you know, how they do certain things and, mm-hmm. um, obviously just being familiar with their processes. Do you think there was things you had done in your internship that made you stand out as like someone they would ultimately want to bring on full time and pay? Um, I think this is a thing I've always had is just, uh, I'm a hard worker and, um, I have a path, like a passion for it. So I think, um, it, it that was, it's always my thing. I mean, even in school, 
you know, not like I was a brown noser, but you know, like I just wanted to always be the like, you know, correct and like everything perfect or I don't know. I just always had that mindset of, um, make it right. Um, so I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but you know, um, I just think I just had the work ethic to do a really good job and yes, make sure it yeah. was, it was exactly what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And attention yeah. to detail. So, yeah, no, yeah. those are great points. That's definitely a theme I hear amongst people on the show who have had trajectory, um, mm-hmm. similar to yours. Uh, yeah. you're the first, you're the first guest that's gotten a job, like literally, or even an internship right out of high school with literally no training or anything. So this is a really fun story. Yeah. Um, okay. So you started at Scott full time and what did they hire you as when you came on board initially? Um, I think I really was just a product developer. Um, okay. um, I just helped with tech packs and, um, because it's, it was ski wear. And so it was a, a large line that they had. And, um, when I had come back, they had expanded, um, largely from when I started, which was two people. And then there was three, me. And then when I came back, there was a materials developer or manager, um, other designers. And so I was joining a larger team, but um, I was being a product developer and helping and assisting with all of those details. So. Okay. It was, I didn't realize it was so tiny when you first started, just a couple of people. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because they're a huge yeah. company now. Yes. And they're, I mean, their office, yeah, when they had like two people and now there's like eight, which it's not large, but it just, it was really small to begin with. So I yeah. think they really needed me as an intern. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of people listening might not understand exactly what a product developer is or oh. does. So can you talk a little bit about like in, in a nutshell, what that role looks like? Um, well, it, the way it worked for us was that, um, we, happened to have, um, designers that because it's an international company, um, some of the designers were, um, in other countries. Um, my boss was like the men's designer and the women's designer happened to be in, I think she was Swedish. So we would receive the designs and then, um, because they weren't hands-on, like we would be diving into, okay, what's this snap? What's the zipper? And, um, we never called them bombs. Uh, I didn't learn what that was actually for much later. So the bill of material, <laughs> but the bill of materials, um, we called it a fabrication page, but uh, like we would fill out and it was like a jacket always has 140 pieces in it, you know? Uh, and so you would just go through and list all the fabrics and you would, I always call it the paperwork, um, that you have to do. So, you know, as developing the product, you have to make the spreadsheet, list out every item. Um, then also the sketch pages, which then you have your black and white sketches that detail every little snap, every little, you know, construction. This has an edge stitch. This has a quarter inch top stitch. And so, you know, the product developers are, get, I think, just they have to think of every little detail to make it easier once you get that prototype. Right. And then going through the prototype and, you know, I re- realized recently that someone said, wow, you all, you know what you don't like. And I was like, no, that's my job to always <laughs> to look at, because I'm still a product developer, look at what's wrong until you look at it and go, oh, it's all right. So um, I feel like that's the job of a product developer to just look at every little thing until you can no longer look at something and be like, oh, it's, it's not wrong anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like yeah. I, I, I know some examples of like what might be wrong, but just share a couple examples as like, as a product developer role, what are you looking at in the prototypes and saying this is wrong? So on well, and so forth. Just give some examples. Well, it can be down to, um, 
a stitch length being too long. So in like school, it would be like, hey, eight to 10 stitches per inch. Or in the ski industry, it's a little bit short, smaller. But like, you just, you have to get a ruler up to your stitches and check it because sometimes that if it's a long stitch, it looks like poor construction. And so there's details like that, the stitching on the wrong side of a seam, which I recently just had, <laughs> you know, or just the quality of sewing. Um, maybe there's um, uncut stitches everywhere. Um, I mean that, yeah, that's the product development. I mean, there's also the technical designer of measuring, um, which I didn't do much actually in the beginning of my career. I do it more now, but, um, nothing to do with like the fit or the sizing or anything. Well, and I do that now, You do Uh, that now, but initially it was more, it was all construction based. It was all construction based and Ah, yeah, it's just, it's checking everything to the sketch and, oh, this is the wrong type of top stitch. Um, this is the wrong color. If you're at that point where it should be color matching, um, this is the wrong zipper this is the wrong, yeah, there's all those. Yeah. So, okay. No, no, no. Those are some great sort of visual examples for people mm-hmm. listening as to like what you're actually checking when the prototypes come in. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So then, then what did you, what happened next in your career? So you started out as product developer in June, mm-hmm. 2007 yeah. and then where, what happened next? Did you, um, sort of grow your way up at Scott? I did in that, um, that was just through the changes in the, um, in our division that, um, because we use these outside designers, they just stopped working with us anymore. And so it went, the women's designs came back in house and, um, Oh, I'm sorry. There's these alerts I didn't know about. Um, then, uh, so I just got the chance of just being there and like, then, you know, one season would come up and be like, Emily, you can do two designs, you know, or how about in the, the, at that time it would be like the more generic, not so technical, um, you know, part of the line, Hey, how about you do some of this? And then the next year, a little bit more. And then at some point it was me doing all the, um, women's designs. Um, and we even had some changes when I obviously met Allison Uhas. uh, you know, she came in, she was doing the more technical mountain stuff. So of course I did not touch that. And then just, you know, we had people come and go and just being there and at least when asked to do something, showing up and putting the effort in, um, it, it didn't come easily for me, honestly, actually, but, um, it just, just being there, I was able to move up and, um, have the position of woman's designer. Okay. And so Allison, who you mentioned, uh, we'll uh-huh. link to this in the show notes. She was interviewed on the SFT podcast as well for people listening. Um, so what do you mean it didn't come easily to you? So it sounds like it was a slow progression. Like you said, first they started giving you some basic styles and then it slowly, they added some more, but mm-hmm. what was not easy? Um, it's just every time I talk about design, like I'm the first one, even though I do design, I'm the first one to be like, well, I'm not a fashion designer. (laughs) I'm, I'm a product developer, but I get a design, but it's just, it's never something that's, um, well, I guess I always like look at something and I want it to be better, but, um, it's something I had to ease into it. And I was just really lucky that I had such a nurturing, company or boss or office that allowed me to slowly do it. They didn't all of a sudden one day go, you're designing 20 jackets. Yeah. You know, um, I got to become more comfortable with it and, um, and kind of test my design skill. And, you know, I look back and I, I 
probably would shake my head at what I designed, but <laughs> I think we all would. Um, yes, yes, yes. You know, so th- that was more of the thing of just, um, you know, I do really enjo- enjoy product development, but that little creative part wants to design. And so that's kind of always been my thought about it. it yeah. Did you ask for those opportunities initially? Were you like, hey, let me give my hand at designing some stuff? Or they they were the ones that initiated that? Um, I hope I asked. It, it was so long ago <laughs> okay. that yeah, it's totally more fair. like, you know, it's, it's more like actually more recently because, um, you know, I, so I was the women's designer and then I had an opportunity come up and I was in more of a position in life, not really career, that I wanted to change. So I moved to Hawaii and was a um, product developer for a, a company that did kind of surfish apparel, okay. and it did not turn out well. Um, oh. It was a, it was like a life lesson of um, thinking it would be all good, and then it wasn't really quickly. Um, they wanted me to do more high level stuff that I had no experience with, but um, so that that was a transition. And, and Scott again came to my rescue and said, "Hey, you can come back and do." Oh, wow do development because I'd already been replaced, um, as the women's designer. Uh, And I started doing development stuff and I was almost doing special projects of, Hey, let's design a new hood. And that, that was like one of the times that, that I can, after just doing that, I went to my boss and said, can I design some men's stuff? Because you are, we already have a women's designer, but would you allow me to design some stuff? And he was like, oh, sure, yeah, okay. And that, that's more been the recent time where I kind of was like, you know what, I, I'm more secure in my design, and I need that creative outlet. I can't just develop product. And I did ask for it, and he allowed me to, and he kept my designs and used them. So, Yeah. It just sounds like it took a little bit of building up of your confidence in yourself to get to the point where you were like comfortable asking for those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. So you bounced to Hawaii. That didn't work out Mm -hmm. for whatever long list of reasons. You went back to Scott. And so then how long did you wind up staying there? Um, So that was June of 20. It's always in June. uh, June of 2015 (laughs) that I came back and, um, and I was doing that for like a year and a half. And then I was given, um, because Scott Sports actually owns several brands, that I had the opportunity that um, one of the um, category managers um, in Europe um, came over and asked, Emily, would you like to be the product manager of one of these brands? And so the the brand name is Powderhorn. Um, it's kind of a heritage brand. It's been around since the 1970s. And so they were struggling with the direction and had to let some people go and they really didn't have anyone. So with my experience of development, design, um, and just them knowing me from years, they kind of knew I could handle the product development or product management. Um, and so of course I took that position because of the title and just like, just having something to own and, and I worked on it by myself. (laughs) So that's when I, I, I transitioned. So I was still with Scott, but um, that was like twenty seven beginning of 2017 that I started um, that my own product ma- or product management position. Okay. For a, one of their other brands. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what, explain what you do in a product management role as opposed to a product developer role. 
How does that look different? We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds, but real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. Three, write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now back to the episode. Um, I like to think of it, you have to deal with the headaches. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is like working on the timelines and watching the timelines and you know, as a product developer, you always do know when stuff has to be due, but um, it's more of like you take on the weight of everything. And um, and you're doing a couple more spreadsheets that are um, not as fun, but it's just all organizing and you are in charge of the product list. And um, with certain companies, they have their own spreadsheets. You have to do data entry. Um, I'm not making it sound glamorous, but it really is kind of, it is fun. Um but you, I ended up doing pricing for the garments. So you work with the factory and get the prices that you need. Um, and then you do get to choose the direction of the line. Um, of course, working with some other people. But, you know, that's the fun part. <laughs> so you get to, you know, like you said, deal with some of the headache stuff and the pricing. Yeah. And, and that, that, for some people, I think can be fun if you like the sort of nuts and bolts of stuff. Um mm-hmm. But then you also, it sounds like, get to do some of the creative direction and, like, oversee the general yes, yeah. line. Okay. And I and it's really hard sometimes for me to, like, separate all that because I was the product manager. I was the designer. I was the product developer. I was the technical designer. So yeah. um, in some ways, I, it's like what, I mean, a product manager does very different things, but, um, I did it all. So it's, it's one big mess in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so you had a small team of people that you were managing who were doing the actual day-to-day of the design and the development and stuff. Oh no, I was each of those person people. (laughs) Oh wait, I think I misunderstood. So you were managing it, but also doing everything. Yes, I was doing it all. Um, You were basically the one person. I was the one person at times um, because I was still in the same office as the ski group. Um, I had someone help me measure um, when samples would come in, but uh, I would do the fit sessions. I chose the colors. I presented the colors. um, I did all the spec packs. I worked with the factories each day. I did the lab dips. um, I sourced fabrics. Um, You know, not always alone. There was always someone like helping or getting a little bit of input, but, um, most of the day today was all me. So, wow. Yeah. How how did that opportunity change your career? Um, it, all of it was just a benefit of what I know, and uh, it was just all experience. So, to me, um, I have a mindset that is able to do kind of all of that. I kind of like the spreadsheets. I definitely like the design. I love working in Illustrator. So getting to do it all, it was, you know, I kind of loved it. And, um, it was just experience of, Hey, whatever comes my way in the future, I'm going to have like this experience that not everyone gets to have. Um, you know, the hard part was that I, I did work alone. My more direct boss was in Switzerland. So, um, (laughs) you know, uh, I had people in an office that I could talk to, but no one could be like, it was just, everyone just had an opinion. They didn't, weren't able to help me with real, real problems. So, um, that actually kind of 
got tiring fast or just like, I like to work in a group. So that was a struggle. One thing I learned about myself, but yeah. That you like that collaboration. Yes. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, um, so that was just in 2017. And Mm -hmm. so, so it sounds like, and you, how long were you in Hawaii for? Um, only nine months. Yeah. Okay. So you were with Scott from like 07 to maybe 15. 2014. Yeah. 2014. You uh-huh. went to Hawaii for a quick blip, came yep. back. Hey, it didn't work out. Cool. Well, we can give you an opportunity, not your mm-hmm. original job, but you you can do something that turned yeah. into um, product management as well as product developer and designer and all the things. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, and, and so then what happened next in your career? Um, so I, I mean, I can't ever give anyone advice on trying to get a job (laughs) because I've had people come to me. And so it's a little bit of a funny story that I was at a trade show, um, which I learned this a lot later, but, um, I met up with a guy I actually went to college with. He's like a really successful designer now. And it was just like, Hey, how's it going? And He's like, what are you doing? And, you know, I just tell him I'm, I'm doing this product management or, you know, I do this. And I guess the way I said it, um, he later was like, I knew you weren't happy. <laughs> and I was like, oh. oh, no, what am I projecting? <laughs> so, <laughs> but he recommended me for a job because of that. And um, the thing was that this, uh, these people that contacted me, I actually knew of them, this brand that I work for now. Um they're local and, uh, I've I'd met the owners before. So I was always aware of them, but never saw a job open. And just one day they contacted me if I'd be interested. And of course, like it was a product developer. And at that point I was like, I'm a product manager. I want to do something slightly parallel to that. I don't want to step down. And they were quite open of wait, no, no, no. We if you know if you want to design like we have opportunities you know it's just a title you know um there's a lot of opportunity to grow and so I just met with them and uh I kind of got that feeling that itch of okay I I think I need to take this and um and, and when it came to logistical parts like the pay was fine and it was good I wasn't like stepping down in that sense and you know, so life would be okay. And then I just realized I miss working with people and I want to be surrounded more by like-minded individuals that have more of a direction because that's, um, one thing that was happening with the job I was at, I pretty much like designed or colored up a whole line and it got canceled. So I just was frustrated. (laughs) So when this opportunity came, I just was like, I have to move on. I have to make a change. So I just kind of, without looking back, uh, took this new job. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of designing and coloring up a whole line and it getting canceled? Because this is the reality of working in fashion sometimes, and I think it can be a really harsh reality. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah. um, Well, well, I'm not going to talk bad about them, but you know, it's just, it's hard because you, um, you have a timeline. So you, without aware, you're starting two years before it actually hits stores. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit tighter, but it, it's pretty much you're starting in the fall before, you know. So I started a line, and uh, honestly, a lot of it was carryover, but there was new colors and um, a couple new styles. And, you know, um, being a part-time designer or being a designer, you get really, like, passionate about it, and you fall in love with what you work on. 
and um, the colors start to become your favorite colors ever. And you just, you just <laughs> can imagine them in the fabrics and even having the lab dip stuff, you start to lab dip it early. And, um, and honestly, I had shown this to people before and no one said, no, no, stop what you're doing. <laughs> it was, you know, in my mind, it was going forward. And yes, I was going to kind of have to present it and sell it again. But, um, you know, I made a trip to Europe um, at the beginning of the year and, um, and it was just, uh, we're not going to make any, or like we can't, we have too much inventory. That was the thing. Mm. And so it was on a side of something I could not control bad sales. Um, and that was more of a marketing issue, not like our stuff looked bad. So it was just, oh my gosh, heartbreaking (laughs) to like, and it just like, you know, um, just to know also that that meant that they had to carry over a lot of stuff like, okay, what am I going to be doing in six months when I don't have any samples to do? Yeah. You know, so it was, you know, it was just, and of course I had this opportunity kind of happening at the same time. So I, it, it was almost like I got to jump ship, but, but it was just also just, I knew it was, yeah, I, I couldn't do that again. I, I just couldn't work yeah. on something that was not going to happen. And especially you had learned you didn't really like working by yourself. And so there was mm-hmm. maybe a lot of variables that were like, oh, yeah. maybe it's a time to make a change. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned something in there. I'd also love to have you talk a little bit about um, as a designer. So sometimes your stuff does not get adopted. It doesn't go into production. You can work really hard and long on it, and it gets mm-hmm. completely dropped or cut. That's yeah. a reality. Um, you said you mentioned um, I have to present it and sell it. So, um, I mean, I, I understand that process, but I think a lot of people out there listening might not. So can you talk a little bit about when you're a designer, what does that actually mean in the context of of your job? Well, I mean, I would come up with concepts and, and maybe I, I said that a little bit too, like dramatically, but like I knew, um, I had like, Oh, you know, we have this fabric and I want to make this style and, um, it just, I knew that it, it, I had had it happen before actually. So this was almost a second time. So I had a year, like my first year I had, we always would create overviews. So it'd be like the visual line list and you just have to show them like, okay, here's the Pantone swatch. So presenting it is, they had seen it before, but you kind of have to sell them on, even if it's just a colorway, you know, and how it merchandises and, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, it's hard to kind of explain because it, it's not as big as in some companies. I know you have to really sell, but you still have people that are looking at PDFs and an email and then you finally meet with them and you have to like really explain that, okay, this color looks great here. Um, it's heavily forecasted and you know, it's a great feminine touch. There is all that stuff that you have to like explain and make sure that they understand why you're so in love with, um, this idea. Right. And why those should be the colors and the designs and the Mm -hmm. trims that they should be investing all their money and buying inventory in. Yes. Yeah. Like, why is this actually a good idea? Why should we put this to market? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and who are those people that you're typically presenting and selling to? Well, um, for this company I worked for, it was my, uh, direct boss who was, um, a category manager. Um, and then our sales, um, head of sales. 
So the guy that was going to have to go out and sell it, I had to sell it to him <laughs> to, you know, and, and that was always the hard part because I had a first year that I had these different colors because it's a heritage brand. So if you can imagine, like just very earthy, um, not super bright colors. And then I presented something like that. And then it was like, we need a bright green. And I'm like, whoa, what? You know? <laughs> and so, um, and that color ended up failing. So, you know, it just, it's kind of like, but you, yeah, I had to sell it to him that he could understand it and, and know that he could go to, into a boutique and sell it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a lot of people you have to try to please during the process. Oh, a lot. Yes. <laughs> a lot. And that can be hard. And I've, I've had interesting, similar um, situations where someone from the sales team, and I don't know why it feels like it comes back to someone from the sales team. No, 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 we have to introduce this. You know, maybe it's the bright green or like whatever. And I'm like, I'm not so sure that's the best idea. But, you know, you get pushed back and you have to, you have to sometimes take the advice and then it kind of flops and you're like, you can't ever come back and say, I told you so. But like, and, and arguably that could happen to anybody who comes up with mm-hmm. an idea, right? You n- Nothing's ever guaranteed going to sell. Yeah. And um, that's actually been, when I got for this new job, um, I had got a tour of their building and, um, and it's actually, I mean, I, I love, I'd love to brag about these guys that I work for um, because this brand, they started 10 years ago on their own and they were like 14 and well, it's, I guess, more than 10 years now. But, like, when they started, they were, like, 15 and 19. Wow. And it's a surf brand that's now turning more of into general active wear. But the one thing that almost sold me, if I was not already sold on the brand, is that they said, we make stuff that we believe in. We don't try to sell it to a salesperson. If we ah. believe in it, we make it. And they also kind of work on their own timelines because they're a lot really online based. And just hearing that was like so refreshing, especially from what I just experienced at that time a week ago of being like rejected in a way, you know, like, so I heard that and I was like, that can happen. You can make (laughs) stuff and believe in it and, and get it made anyways. So, um, you know, it does happen. I mean, not, you know. I'm actually working for someone now that they make it. If they believe in it, they don't go to a sales team and try to get it sold or, you know, you know, they, they go forward. So yeah, pretty rare. Cool. Yeah. So this is Imperial motion that you mentioned earlier. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you ran into someone who you had went, who you'd gone to school with at a trade show. You just yes. mentioned him a product developer. He sent something that you were unhappy. He connected you with them. Um, uh-huh. but you were coming from snow sports and you said they were doing their, they started out surf and now more general active. So yes, when you yeah. first connected with them and were talking to them, um, was that a barrier in terms of like, I understand there's some crossover. It's like active and active. It's like snow sports versus water sports. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of differences in yeah. fabrics and construction and function and stuff. So um, was that a barrier or something you had to address when making that transition? Um, I think, I mean, at one at one point, point, I really thought they were at a way different level. So at, I just know I was asking like, do you guys work with a PLM system? Because I don't know those yet. You know, like, do you make your specs with InDesign? Because I don't know the program yet. You know, like, I thought they were on this crazy different level. And I wasn't actually too concerned about working on that stuff. Um, 
they they did ask me to send some tech packs I'd worked on and a couple designs. Um, I, I'm horrible. I do not have a portfolio, but I sent quickly <laughs> some stuff that I have, and they're like, okay, great, you know, whatever, you know. And um, I don't remember being at all concerned, and nor, nor were they. Um, the very interesting thing about their business is that they have their own line, but years ago they started private label, and so they help. They work with a bunch of other brands and helping their clothing lines get developed. And so one of them happens to be a snowboard company. And so that that that's my connection of them, I mean, not at the time when they hired me, but they desperately needed someone to help on that. Wow. So, so I had all the experience to do that. And then I really am just learning as I go with all the other stuff when it comes to ready to wear and, um, more knit based, um, apparel. So, okay. And they were okay with that. Like the stamp, the examples you sent were snow sports stuff and you didn't do any mock-ups of stuff that would fit into their categories. No. Um, I do not know what they were thinking other than they really needed to hire someone. (laughs) Um, but yeah, they weren't too concerned. I I think they maybe had a mindset if, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And for people listening who might not know, can you do a quick explanation of um, what private label is and kind of how that works? Um, well, there's a lot of, and this is my understanding as I learn it, um, there's a lot of companies out there that want, maybe let's say want to make clothing, they just don't know where to start. And of course, they're not going to start hiring people to get that done because that's really expensive. So they go to a brand such as ours that has a stamp established vendors, manufacturers, suppliers that obviously for a fee, we can do it. Um, so, you know, they send us their designs. Um, so far we are not designing anything. We're just helping get it made. So, um, you know, they, they send the designs, their dreams, their desires for it. Um, and if they can back it up in quantities um, to get it made, we help get it made. And that means us getting samples, sending samples to them, getting comments from them, us contacting our vendors, factories with those comments from them. And uh, it's, yeah, the whole process of back and forth. But, you know, most of these companies just wouldn't even know where to start to get clothing made, but they do know they want to do it. So we help. But you're actually developing their own custom stuff. You're not taking stuff you already have and just putting their label on it. Um, So far, no. Yeah, most most of them really are. um, They have their designs, or and some of it has been graphic based. And okay, I could back up. We do have like a block of a button up shirt that they are applying their graphic on it. Okay, and then we're getting that made, but. when it comes to the snowboard company, that's a very different, it's a license. We are doing all the design and development, but, um, that's a separate, we have a license for that. So, uh, the private label is a different setup. We're really just getting handed what they want and we're helping get it made exactly to that. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so you've been there about a year and a half not Less quite. than a year. Less than a year. So, actually, okay. yeah, within this year I started. So. Okay. Okay. And yeah. so um, what does your role there look like? It's quite crazy, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really, it's really interesting because um, I, 
really thought there was more people working on clothing when I started. Some of those questions you wish you asked. Um, But I am, so there's my boss, who's one of the co-founders. He's the creative director. Um, There's him, and then there's me. And so I do all the product development. In some way, he does part of it, too, because there are just too many things. But um, I have gotten the chance to design. So, of course, they said, hey, you know, you'll get to design. That actually happened quite quickly. I didn't, like, have to wait a year. So I'm helping design some pieces. But, um, like, earlier today, I was measuring. I was just measuring garments, you know, samples that came in. And um, I'm doing lab dips. So it's kind of some of the stuff I did before, which I look back, go, wow, I'm so happy I have that experience. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot. I'm doing a lot of different things and checking prints that I haven't done before. Um, but yeah, trim development. Yeah. There's all this stuff. I'm even working on some hats, a sock. (laughs) We're going to get big soon. You know, it's yeah. So like everything, and you're doing Every- some of the ski stuff or the snow stuff yes, for yeah. that license you guys have. But then it uh-huh. sounds like maybe you're also doing some other stuff and maybe just some of that general active stuff, like a little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything because we have, of course, our own line um, for Imperial Motion that we're expanding and trying to do more women. So I'm adding the input there and designing with that and then doing the development of already established styles and then we have a couple private label um, customers that we're working on. And um, yeah, there's every day that it's different. And um, one day I'll focus maybe on one project. Um, and one day it's like all five of them at once. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a lot to juggle. <laughs> it is. I, I've actually trying to learn to be organized. Like it, it's, I've never in my career been like, I actually really need to, lock this down. <laughs> it, you know, it's more than I've experienced before. I really enjoy it, but it's, it's a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you made a comment earlier about, you said, uh, you like, you, I think you said something to the extent of you thought there were more people working on the clothing than you mm-hmm. at, at first. And you're like, that's maybe one of the questions I wish I asked. Um, are there other questions um, that you maybe wish you would have asked in, in, and it sounds like it hasn't turned out poorly, but just um, maybe going into like jumping into a new job. And, and maybe that was something you also learned in the experience when you went to Hawaii and that didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this opportunity is not working out, but just no. that like in hindsight, maybe I should have asked some of these questions during the interview phase. What are, what are some of those things that you've learned from those, these experiences? Well, you're not asking about this, but I would love to share this. Like one thing I learned um, uh, about the process was one, I had a bit of a snafu with knowing if I could negotiate or not, because this is the first time I've actually ever received an offer. So, oh. so that was one thing that I learned that um, I won't talk in detail about what happened, but it was just like before you receive it or if you know it's coming, just ask is this negotiable? Because sometimes they, they're going to give you maybe just the best and they will feel offended if um, you counter offer. And also realizing that, hey, it's a small company. This is not Amazon or Nordstrom. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was a, an experience that I had that I had to learn a lesson. Thankfully, it worked out and it, it was all fine in the end. But, you know, you sometimes think I got to 
cuff my feathers and make sure I'm not being taken advantage of. Yeah. But so, maybe that's their budget. That's the price. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's easy to look back and be like, I should have asked about this, but I think I really should have just asked my boss what his day to day was because I had no clue. I, I just assumed that they work on all this stuff. They have to have someone that's doing something else. And then I find out he'd been not sleeping for a year, <laughs> you know? So, oh my um, gosh, it you was know, really like he was doing everything. Yeah. 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 Oh, and so it's, it's, I mean, it's easy to say that now, but, um, it, and it's hard because in my situation, I, I really just wanted the job. I, you know, I wanted something new, but yeah, just, I think it's as simple as what's the jobs day to day, but also asking your boss, like, or the person who's going to be directly above you, what do you do each day? Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah. Okay. So just kind of more understanding, like what is your actual role and Mm -hmm. what's your time going to be spent on? Yeah. And, and even each company has a different, like, they did send an offer and saying what a, a developer does, but really asking asking what that is. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry for that. Um, really asking what the, a developer uh, means to them because obviously this brand wasn't um, didn't come from normal means, so they just had a, their own mindset about that. I, I'm not saying actually I'm having a problem with that, but I can just assume that oh, a developer means you do everything. Like, oh, knowing that I do lab dips, is is that really a developer's position? Well, not, not normally, but <laughs> Arguably okay. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I have the experience of doing that. So, okay, it's fine, you know, but um, yeah. But every company is so different. And sometimes those, like, I'm doing air quotes here, those job descriptions are just like, eh, they're, they only mean so much. I'm Mm-hmm. I think that there's always more to dig into of like, like you said, what does the day-to-day actually look like? Yeah. Um, then sometimes those job descriptions get thrown together really quickly or it's like a copy and paste type of thing. Or, you know, at big companies, sometimes the HR person's writing it and it's like, how relevant is this really? Um, you know, and so kind of really digging into that during the interview process uh, can shed some good light on what you're actually going to be doing and is this a good match for you? And and luckily this time it sounds like it did did work out as opposed to in Hawaii it didn't. And I don't know if that's the reason it didn't work out in Hawaii, but. Oh, no. I mean, I can say the thing that didn't work out in Hawaii is um, it just the boss then, he thought I was going to run everything. And I did not have experience with that, so I didn't even know where to start. But his background was um, finance, which is just so he he had a never worked in the apparel industry, and thought you needed to write reports for every project you worked on. <laughs> so that literally, like a financial industry thing. <laughs> yeah, no, or a scientist of here's your an objective, here's yeah, your yeah, this, yeah. what's your conclusion, <laughs> your and hypothesis I, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and at that time, I couldn't probably convince him you don't do that, like. The industry is the type that you just move forward or you're going to be left behind. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you need to be organized, but, um, and I, I was, I learned about what an elevator pitch is, you know, I'm like, we don't do that here or we don't need to, (laughs) there's two of us working here, you know, like, so anyways, it, it didn't work in, in that sense. It just, um, it was being in a direction that I was like, this is not how the industry works. And yeah. So not a good match. Not a good match. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that I didn't touch on that you'd like to share about your career or, or you know, maybe lessons you've learned or anything like that? 
Um, no, I think I covered everything. It's hard. There's always so much that I'll probably think of later, but yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you covered a lot of great stuff. Um, some good tips and insights for everyone out there listening. Um, where can people connect with you online? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. So yeah, um, I, I do have Instagram, uh, if anyone wants to, uh, follow me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. So everybody okay. can check that out if they want to connect with you there. Um, and I'd love to end with the question I ask everybody at the end of the interview. And that is what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? Oh, I, I tried to study on this question. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was coming. No, it's, um, I don't, I don't think I'm going to really answer it, but, um, it's just, everyone asks like, Oh, you work in, they just think the job is so fancy. And I always want to be like, it's not that fancy. You know, I only design like three months out of the year or, you know, there's so much more involved in it. And, um, you know, I always try to just tell people like, I do a lot of paperwork. Do you realize (laughs) that, you know, and then they ask what that is. And then I love to share spec packs. So it's just, you know, I think most people don't realize, um, it's not as glamorous as it is. Um, but yeah. Lots of spreadsheets, lots of uh-huh. communication, back and forth, keeping track of things, all the little stuff. Yes, yeah. To make sure the product gets made. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for joining us. It was really, really great to chat with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you, Emily, for being with us. Um, as well as a big thank you to two people behind the scenes who make this show possible, but you don't really ever see is my husband, Mark, who handles all the tech and the editing and makes the show possible, as well as my right-hand woman, Tara, who makes sure that the show gets published and it goes out to iTunes and all the other platforms where you can listen. Um, and she also helps coordinate all the interviews. So thank you so much for helping me behind the scenes to make this show possible for all of you out there listening. And again, thanks to each of you for listening because we would not be here if it weren't for you. On that note, if you enjoy the SFD podcast, I would be so thrilled if you could take a few seconds to give us a uh, write up a review on iTunes. You can do that by scrolling down wherever you're listening. There should be a link. Um, And it does just take a few seconds, but those reviews mean so much to us. Uh, As always, a friendly reminder that SFD is way more than a podcast, and I have an entire arsenal of content and tutorials, templates, all sorts of stuff to help you get ahead in your fashion career, to launch your fashion brand, to be a more successful freelancer. Whatever it is that you're working on, I have free resources for you um, that I have been building over the last 10 years that I've been running this business. And it is so much more than just the podcast, so I want to make sure that you get those and you can check those out. You can catch them anytime by going over to SoHeidi.com. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email, and I will send you all of those resources absolutely free. If email is not your thing, I do hang out on Instagram. Check me out there at SoHeidi. Again, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast.